and welcome to Pep Talk, the persuasive evangelism podcast. I'm Christy and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Andy Bannister. Andy, hey, how are you doing? I am doing well, Christy. The sun is shining. Summer has arrived. We've installed a hot tub in the garden. What is not to like? Oh, wow. Yeah, my kids talked me into a hot tub, so let's, let's, not, let's not go there. Uh, they're loving it. My credit card isn't, but you know, there we are. But hot tubs aside, who have we got on the, who have we got on the podcast today? I'm very pleased uh, to be to be able to welcome Glenn Scrivener. Um, Glenn, welcome, welcome to the show. Joining you live from the hot tub. This could be a new feature for the podcast. <laughs> I was thinking this is the this hot week, tub the time talk, machine as a movie, isn't it? So we could do like, the hot tub apologetics podcast. Uh, <laughs> the temperature could, could just get hotter and hotter as the episode proceeds, and just yes. yeah, whoever's left wins. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking we could do a debate show. We put an atheist in one hot tub, a Christian yep. in the other. We hook it up to the internet and people can vote for the temperature on the two <laughs> hot tubs, depending on, on how they feel people are doing. Yeah. Boiling um, Frogs podcast. Boiling Frogs. But pulling it back to reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Christy, tell us, tell people who, who don't know uh, who, Glenn, who Glenn is. <laughs> They've already made their own assumptions. They've made their own minds up. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm very pleased to share that, <laughs> Glenn. You are, if I've got this right, you are the director and evangelist at, at Speak Life, and you've you've been at Speak Life for many years, haven't you? How did that How did that yeah. come about? Thirteen years. So yeah, it's always been a charity since 1952. It was the Hour of Revival Evangelistic Association. So they meant they meant business back in the 50s, and it was founded by a great Billy Graham kind of a guy who was Eric Hutchings, and he did the big crusades thing back when they did those kinds of crusades in the 1950s and 60s, and he would sort of preach, and, and Cliff Richard would sing and give his testimony, and then Eric Hutchings would preach, and the choir would sing, just as I am, and people would come forwards and give their lives to Jesus and that sort of thing. And he had a radio show called The Hour of Revival, and it was a, a ministry of preaching and media. and um, he died in 1982, and I'm the second evangelist to be employed by the Evangelistic Trust. So uh, interestingly, we are still doing the same thing, that mix of preaching and media. It's just that media is a little bit different these days, and uh, we're much more onto YouTube and podcasts and that kind of thing, but it's still a preaching and media ministry to make much of Jesus. And do you have Cliff Richard sing before you do your events, or has that now changed? If only. Wouldn't that be astonishing? That would be if only. so but, cool. Um, Glenn, one of the things you're you're also known for is you're also you're also a writer. Uh, you've written many books. We've we've talked, I think, at two at Solas before about one of the previous ones. People can check out that conversation. But one of your newer books, I can't say new, it's been out a while now, but probably newer books is uh, the Air We Breathe: How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Kindness, Progress, and Equality. And why what, what I like about th- that book, which we're going to talk about for the next wee while or so, for a long time, there's been a book kicking around. A lot of sort of more perhaps you know intellectual, perhaps heavyweight academic type Christians have have lent into, which is Tom Holland's book Dominion. Brilliant book looking at the history of the of the West and how you know so many of the things we appreciate and take for granted, human rights and whatnot, thoroughly Christian. But that is not an easy book. You know, some people struggle with it. Tom writes long sentences and uses long words, and then along you've come, and in one sense, this is the bluffer's guide to that book, but that doesn't do it justice because it's brilliant in its own right. But maybe start by telling us, why is this conversation important? Why is it important to help people think about how these things that we appreciate, you know, here in, in Western democratic culture are so profoundly Christian? What, why is that helpful? And how does that help set up spiritual conversations? 
Yeah, well, this is Dominion for Dummies, and I'm the dummy. So uh, I I bought uh, Tom Holland's Dominion in 2019, and I even got Tom Holland to sign it for me so I could wow. give it to my father-in-law as a Christmas present. And I thought this is the ultimate Christmas present because my father-in-law is a real history buff. Not he wasn't a Christian at that at that time. And it it sits on my father-in-law's shelf to this day unread. And I, I, I remember thinking I'd, I'd love to put into his hands um, a book that, that is of a length that, you know, he, he might actually um, crack open and give it a go. And so, yeah, I, I guess it's, uh, as the title suggests, it's just doing a, a little bit of analysis of where our beliefs come from um, and these beliefs that we have in equality and compassion, consent, enlightenment, science, freedom, progress, they are what we assume to be universal and obvious and natural. And what I want us to do is just notice that even though these things are the air, air that we breathe, um, they are very peculiar ideas, actually, and they are, they are not common, they are not universal across all civilizations around the world and down through history, and that Christianity itself is behind these values that we already have. And that was the great benefit of, of Tom Holland's book, that over 650 pages, he's taking you through you know, 3,000 years of history and, and showing how historically these ideas have percolated down and they've become the air, air that we breathe. And so my book is kind of doing that sort of job, but instead of really being shaped by the historical timeline, it's kind of shaped by these seven values, equality, compassion, consent, enlightenment, science, freedom, and progress, and telling the story of how we've got to where we are. Because I, I kind of think that my friends who don't think of themselves as believers, they really are believers. And they need to recognize that their beliefs in things like human rights and human equality and the sanctity of life and, and the progress of history and all these sorts of things. I, I want them to see that they, these gut intuitions they have are not the results of scientific experimentation or logical deduction. They, they believe this stuff. And I want to show them where this stuff actually comes from so that when I tell them about Jesus, they'll start to put two and two together and recognize not only are they a believer, but they can meet the one who makes sense of the beliefs they already have. Mm. I mean, it's a phenomenal project, Glenn. And I think the the way in which you write the book, you do it with such a light touch as well. It's it's a really beautiful thing to read. Could you give us a, an example of what it looks like to talk about one of those values? Mm. I mean, maybe compassion or equality. Like what, mm. what would it look like to, if I'm thinking about my friend who is a, who's been a vegan for about 10 or 11 years and compassion, you know, the value of compassion comes really highly for her, particularly as she extends that to all living, you know, life forms and creatures. Um, uh, how, what would you think it would look like for me to kind of talk about some of that borrowed capital or, you know, the links into Christianity through yeah. that particular value? I'd really value help. Yeah, I um my my neighbor has has come to faith quite recently and what one of the things that really helped him was just a conversation about like a Facebook feed that he was he was scrolling through and there was a video about this profoundly autistic um kid in America who didn't play basketball on the team um, all through the season. And in the last three minutes of the last game of the season, this high school coach puts the kid onto the, onto the court and 
even the opposition are kind of handing him the ball so that he'll kind of score the last basket in the game. And, you know, he misses the shot. And then the, even the opposition are handing him the ball again and he misses the shot again. He, and then they hand him the ball and then, like, they kind of lift him up. And then he kind of scores this final basket. And the roof is just lifted off in, in this high school gymnasium as this kid is treated like an absolute hero. And my next-door neighbor was was watching this and he said, what do you think of that? And I was like, that is spine tingling, don't you think? And he was like, yeah, I've got goosebumps. I said, of course, like everybody's got goosebumps. We love this scene of the little guy lifted up, right? And there's, there's something profoundly supernatural, I think, about something like that. And um, over a long series of conversations, we, we kind of talked about how by nature, nature doesn't teach you that. Nature teaches you that the weak get squashed so that the strong survive. And if it's the sacrifice of the, of the weakest and the survival of the fittest, that's the way nature goes. And, and then it's a really natural part of the conversation to kind of say, well, with Jesus, he is the fittest who is sacrificed for we the weakest so that we the weakest can not only just survive, but thrive and pass on this compassion revolution. And like telling him, we both share a belief in compassion. Um, can I show you how it doesn't make sense on other worldviews, but it totally makes sense of this Jesus figure, the one who went to the cross as the fittest to be sacrificed for us. Um, that was part of a, a whole lot of conversations that, you know, has led into church and led into faith. And, and that was, that was absolutely brilliant. And I guess with your friend who's vegan, um, I, again, this desire to show compassion to every creature, I, I don't think, you know, uh, she probably doesn't have a purely evolutionary worldview, but if she did have a purely evolutionary worldview, um, it, it wouldn't really make sense because, you know, uh, evolution is based on competition. Yes, we cooperate, but we cooperate in order to compete with other populations, with other species. And, and therefore, you're, she's already believing in something quite supernatural. If she believes on compassion and extending the circle of compassion right to the to the very fringes, but as, as you start talking in those terms, I think you can very helpfully talk about here is Jesus who comes and flips the way of nature on its head, so that he the fittest is sacrificed for for we the weakest, and I, and I think you can contextualize a preaching of the cross into that situation, mm. and I I think it can have some some real traction. I love the um. I love that answer, Glenn. I love the the, the story and that, and that video too. As you say, everyone gets goosebumps with it. But look, one question I have around around this this approach, I think it's a phenomenal approach and so, and so helpful, especially to those I think who would call themselves not not religious. You know, the nuns out there who are, you know, if you go if you sort of strike lead with here's an argument for Christianity, you're going to run a mile. But if you lean into things they're already engaging with, you can draw them in. But the question I have though, how do we how do we avoid triumphalism? Here, because the danger in this approach is, if you're not careful, you can go, ah, ha, yes, look, isn't Christianity amazing? Look, all the things it's given. Uh, you know, even those, even those of you who say you're not Christian, you're living on borrowed capital, and that, while that's true, it's not very winsome. So, mm. what would be your advice on how we can do this in a winsome way that doesn't look what look like we're pulling gotchas on people? Mm. I think it's just so important to own, for instance, on the on the value of compassion, to own the cruelty of the church down through the years. Um, and, and to talk about, um, well, goodness, therefore, doesn't that make it triply heinous 
when, for instance, the Crusades happen and under the banner of the cross, here are a whole bunch of people instead of dying for their enemies are killing their enemies. Or you can talk about any number of colonial sins of, of in the name of Jesus, here are some of the evils that have been done. Um, and, and I think we recognize that actually it is a more heinous crime um, when the church is cruel than when anyone else is cruel because we ought to know better. And I think there's still some residual knowledge that the people of Jesus ought to be compassionate and that it is, it is horrific when they're not. And, and so I, I find that actually really helpful when you're kind of answering questions that people have about the faith especially when they're critiquing the church, whether it's historic abuses or contemporary abuses, or they've, they've experienced church hurt, you know, in the here and now to stand with them shoulder to shoulder. And often I find myself even like increasing their lament and increasing their critique of the church and saying, Oh, it's, it's even worse than you think. Um, Mm. but then at some stage, is there a way of pointing to the, pointing to our feet, pointing to what we're standing on, as we're, as we're both agreed that the church in this historic instantiation has done great evil. What are we standing on? What are we assuming about the ways we ought to be? Because, for instance, the Crusades, when they are, when they are conducted under any other banner, are just business as usual, aren't they? It's precisely the fact that they are under the banner of the cross that makes their, their wickedness so evil. And, and so, yeah, certainly in my book, I press into all sorts of heinous crimes of the church down through history. Um, and it's not, it's not that the church comes off glowing. It's that, you know, in, in the words of John Dixon, Jesus has taught us a beautiful song to sing. Um, Christians have often been way off key, uh, but that doesn't take away from the beauty of the song. And so when, when we're talking about these, these beautiful values that Christianity has given to us, that doesn't mean um, we're always brilliant singers of the song. Sometimes our version of the song uh, makes people, you know, cover their ears and, and howl in, in derision. So, yeah, it's not, it's not a triumphalist thing. It's not a West is best thing. Certainly not that. It's, it's actually holding the church to a higher account because we ought to know better. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Thanks so much, Glenn. And I just love what you were just saying there about, singing singing this beautiful song of Jesus. I was um, reading just yesterday, I don't know if you've probably both read it, The Singer by Calvin Miller, which is this just this beautiful um, story, like a retelling of, of Jesus's life and death through the analogy of this song that he sings. And um, yeah, just to kind of, just to ask just a little bit more, if, if we can, just about that triumphalism. How how do we go about singing that song really beautifully that when people, you know, when we're talking about these particular values, that they hear that song and they don't hear us saying, well, you're wrong and Jesus got it right. How do we, how do we, I guess, what is that link between those two things there? So we've acknowledged that there's church hurt, that we haven't always done this right, that there's a lot that, that we are accountable for and how we've um, been hypocritical, et cetera, et cetera. But what is the the link between between the value and the song? How do we how do we sing Jesus into those values? Well, I guess it's got to be embodied, hasn't it? It's 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 got to move out of music theory um, and into the concert hall where people can actually hear the song sung in in an embodied local uh, expression. And I guess that that means church. And so, like. Like what a travesty it would be if we became those who were very keen on the notion of compassion 
and uh, had a, a church and invited people into a church that was just full of the same cliques and power plays and, and, and abuse mm. uh, as people encounter out there in the world. So, yeah, I guess, you know, the local church is the, the great hermeneutic of the gospel. Hermeneutic means like how you understand something, like how, how you wrap your head around it, how, how it um, becomes meaningful to you. And, and so it's got to go hand in hand with an embodied expression of equality, compassion, consent, enlightenment, science, freedom, progress. You know, at the end of my book, I, I talk about how um, there are these values that are the air that we breathe, but really what we need to do is embed them in our lives in completely countercultural ways so that people, um, you know, in, in the words of one Peter, you know, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they will glorify God on the day that he visits us. How, do, how will they do that? Well, they will, they will see it lived out in us. And that's when they'll really get it. Mm. That's um, that's helpful, Glenn. I, you mentioned church, and actually that leads to an, another question. I, I think I, I I had here. Obviously, you know, we we started this conversation talking about Tom Holland and how Dominion, fantastic book, but sort of quite quite high shelf, really quite highbrow. And then you know, your book uh, is really accessible. I can still perhaps hear some people listening to this going, "Well, this sounds great for you, Glenn. You know, you do this stuff all the time." You're incredibly articulate. You know, you start your next door neighbor shows you a video. You know instantly what to say. You're in there. It's great. How do how do more ordinary mortals who don't spend their time thinking about all of this make a start? Now, obviously, one answer is they come buy a copy of the Air We Breathe. <laughs> we'll put a link to that in the show notes. That is obviously an answer. But also, you know, you've 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 worked up to this over the years. So where would you start? How would you recommend someone starts on this journey of looking for these connecting? points these things that people care about and take and, and take really seriously and value and build from there what would be perhaps some first steps on that journey of evangelism i think it it always begins with what you already love about jesus and what you already love about the faith that you already have because mm. jesus said from the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks so you know if you're looking for sort of silver bullets from me that you can sort of fire out into your evangelistic conversations that will absolutely hit their mark um, I, I don't have those for you, but, but mm. Jesus does say what we fill our hearts with is what bubbles out of us in words of witness. And, and so, um, I think just be alive to what it is that you love about Jesus. And if you do love the compassion of Jesus, I think that will bubble out of you such that you have a conversation with somebody who sees the, the value of compassion. And you can say, you know, that's what I love about Jesus, dot, dot, dots. You know, and and what you love about Jesus today will be different from what it was a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. But there will be something that you latch on to. And so I, I, I don't give people silver bullet, bullets, but I, I do give people kind of sentences up their sleeve that they can use in, in evangelistic situations. And one of them is, you know, that's what I love about Jesus. And if the conversation is about one of these values, then you can say, I love the way. Jesus was on his way to save a life in Mark's Gospels, his biography of Jesus, and it, it, everyone else thinks it's a race to save a life, but Jesus knows that he can raise the dead, and so he, he's actually unhurried, and then a woman comes and grabs hold of, of the, the hem of his robe, just wanting to get healed, and she has this almost superstitious level of, of faith that somehow he has magical properties to his clothing, but even that level of faith is enough, and he feels power go out from him, and he brings the whole race to save a life to an excruciating halt just so he can have a face-to-face 
with this woman who would not have been allowed into the synagogue in, 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 the, in the town where she was. And he wants to call her daughter. He wants to say, your faith has healed you. He wants to say, go in peace. And he has this precious face-to-face with this woman. And what if God is like that? What, what if this is what God is like? That he, he, he will bring everything to an excruciating halt just to have a face-to-face with this one woman. And, and that, that's just a story that's been you know, on, on my mind recently. And so that's how I can finish the sentence. That's what I love about Jesus. What's it going to be for you? How do you love the compassion of Jesus? How do you love the way he treats every individual as an individual? How do you love the way he sets people free? How do you love the way that he gives people hope when it seems hopeless? You can share different stories. That's what I love about Jesus, dot, dot, dot. Or that's what I love about my church, dot, dot, dot. Um, You know, maybe the conversation is about how cruel people are online or whatever it is. That's what I love about my church. I know that when I'm out of the room, they won't gossip about me. They're just not like that. Oh my goodness, what kind of community is like that? Well, you can come along Sunday morning. You know, that's what I love about Jesus. That's what I love about my church. Or I couldn't have gotten through X without Jesus. Um, what kind of words of personal testimony can you give to the way that Jesus has shepherded you through a certain struggle that, that you're in? So you, know, you, you don't need to know a whole bunch of philosophical arguments. You just need to know Jesus and the way that he has gotten you through. And when you're having these kinds of conversations with people, just take a deep breath, mention the name of Jesus, and away you go. Glenn, that's, that's, that's really lovely. Uh, this is what I love about Jesus, that there's a, um, that rests upon having a, a lively faith, doesn't it? That it's not a, this is what Jesus did for me X amount of years ago but this is what he's doing for me right now today and mm. what I'm really, really thankful and grateful for. And, you know, sometimes, you know, in our evangelism, it, sometimes we do feel, and I feel this, you know, that sense of I'm trying to kind of communicate a concept rather than a, a living human <laughs> God man <laughs> who, who wants to create that, love how you've said that, that excruciating halt so that we can come face to face with him. Thank you so much. Um, just as we just as we kind of draw draw to a close, we'd love to hear, um, Glenn, about your new project because all of this, you know, your heart stems from. I think was it was it your first book, Three Two One? Yeah. Um, and now there's some exciting developments in that area. Please share share that with us. Yeah. So, um, what is the way that people actually? Um, share what's important to them at the moment. Yes, you can pass a book on to other people. And that's a thing that a certain, you know, proportion of, um, the, the population does, but, but also don't you just WhatsApp your, your favorite podcast that you're, you know, you've got to listen to this, or you talk to people about what's on Netflix or you talk, there are, there are multiple ways that from the overflow of your heart, you share with people. And, and one way is, is definitely online. And we want to, we want to create a, an online experience for people um, using the uh, gospel explanation three, two, one. So that was my first book back in 2014. And it takes you through like what God is like, what the world is like, and who you are according to Jesus. It's life according to Jesus. And Jesus reveals to you what God's like, what the world's like, and, and who you really are. And so there's this immersive experience that we're kind of working on. We filmed the videos. Um, it's, it's a kind of thing that you can do uh, on your own, thing you can do with a friend. And it's a thing you can do, you know, perhaps in a church halls on a Wednesday night, you know, the, the way that you would do an alpha course or a Christianity explorer or that, or that sort of thing. 
but uh, we are soft launching the new 321 in uh, October. And we'd love people to um, sign up to, to go and do it. And we, we, we want thousands of people around the world to kind of go through this experience and sort of see the world the way that Jesus sees it. So people can check that out at uh, speaklife.org.uk. Fantastic. And you actually answered my very final question, which was, Glenn, how do people find you? How do they get into all these all the books and the videos and resources? There's the website address. We there will it is, speaklife.org.uk. Speaklife.org.uk. And uh, we will even uh, put a link to that in the, uh, in the show notes and uh, so people can go and peruse that website. And if they've been listening since the start, they can fire up their favorite music player and put a Cliff Richard song on while they do that, just to kind of set the whole mood. Um, Glenn, it's been an absolute privilege thank you I'm getting for, a bit uh, wrinkly from the hot tub so it's I'm time to get from the hot tub yes exactly <laughs> let's not let's not go there uh, so anyway it's been great having you on the show thank you for uh, being our guest uh, this week and uh, God bless all that you do thanks so much for having me and uh, Christy and I will be back in a couple of weeks time uh, with another edition of Pep Talk and another guest and a different topic so do tune in check us out and uh, we look forward to uh, being with you then bye for now bye bye